Well, it's great to see you today. And I, I mean, I love this series because it's just like this is where everybody has been lately. It's kind of this retro, like the 80s and the 90s is coming back. And, and I'm here for it, man. I love that. That's when I grew up. And some of, the best, some of the best entertainment, I think, in my opinion, came out of that era. But, you know, there's a couple of things. I know Phil just mentioned a lot that we've got going on and coming up looking forward to. But I just want to put a couple more dates on your calendar real quick. Is one, and I hate to even use these words. I've already had a couple of teachers say, what are you talking about? But, you know, it's, it's going to come eventually. We're going to be back to school. I know, I know. It's, it's like cussing. But, uh, but we want to give you this date early so that you can know about it, is that on August the 7th, we're going to be partnering with some other local churches, and, uh, and we're going to be out in the community serving at our local schools. So that's a couple of weeks before school starts. The schools have needs like when it comes to their grounds and you know, doing things like weed eating and mulching and just getting the, the, the grounds prepped and ready for a school to start. So we're excited about that. We're going to be partnering with several of our local schools in our backyard and uh, helping out with that. And here's how you can get involved. We're going to have a sign-up out in the lobby at one of the vertical TVs. You'll see this logo. And if you need more information or want to sign up, we're going to be sending crews out that day. And, and here's what's going to change. I'm going to say this, and we'll keep saying it so that we hopefully will remember. On August the 7th, we're only going to have one service that day. It'll be this service at 930. And at the 11 o'clock, that's when we're going to go and serve. So you guys are good. You'll be able to come to church in your work clothes. And then we'll be heading out at 11 on August the 7th. But just want to put that date on your calendar. And again, if you need more info, please swing by the vertical TV as you leave. And the other thing is, man, next week's a big day. Father's Day, all you dads, all you guys out there, we're going to have a lot of cool stuff planned. And we really don't want you to miss it. And I'll tell you this, if, if it's been a while since you've seen the movie Top Gun or if you've uh, you know, been thinking about watching the new one, this would be a great week for you to brush up on it because uh, that might be a little helpful as we go into next week for you, just without giving too much away. But anyways, we're going to have an awesome day next Sunday, and I hope that you'll come, bring the whole family, neighbors, invite your friends. It'll be a great day to invite people because it's going to be a lot of fun, and we're looking forward to that uh, next Sunday. Now, as I said, I, I, I'll be honest, I, I love the, the 90s. I love 90s music. I, I love 90s TV shows, 90s movies. I, I miss what life was like in the 90s. And I know that every generation probably says that about when they grew up. But, but, uh, but I'm telling you, if you know, anybody that's young in here, if you were born after the 90s, you, you, really, you really missed out on some great stuff. And, and I can remember going to Blockbuster Video Anybody remember that? Like we could spend an hour just looking at different films and like, okay, what do I want to rent for the weekend? And then we'd go to Pizza Hut and get my little book it, you know, free pizza because I read some books. And then we'd go to the roller rink and with my new roller blades and listen to Hootie and the Blowfish, man. I mean, it was, it was a great era. It was just good. But one of the best things, in my opinion, to come out of the 90s was the movie The Sandlot. Yeah. Uh, now, I, I think when you look at the movie The Sandlot, that is about as close to the gospel as you can possibly get. That's just a great movie. Now, here's what I want to do today, because I wanted to have a little bit of fun. Uh, I'm going to invite my friend J.R. Horn to come up here. You know, when I was thinking about The Sandlot, what I, what I love about the movie is there's so, it's so quotable. There's so many great quotes. So he said, you know, what if we did this? What if J.R. come up here? And well, I'll let you explain what we're, what we're doing today. Well, the Sandlot gives us so many 
lessons in life, kind of like Proverbs, one-liners, ones you can keep in your back pocket, some that can or cannot be said from the stage. But today, we have 10 opportunities for you to say one-liners from the sandlot, and you have to work them in to your message. So taking a bit of a cue from Super Sunday and uh, how well you did, um, I, I want to see how good you can do uh, by linking some quotes from the sandlot into your message. I, I, I love that, and you're going to keep score. I got my scorecard right, right so, here. JR's the umpire today. We're, we're ready. Now, what's, so, what's the fabulous prize? Like, if I, how many quotes am I doing? Well, you're doing five this service and five next service. Okay. I've got ten quotes in here that he's not seen. Uh, pick, pick these out, and he has not seen them yet. And uh, you have to use, you attempt to use all five this service, and the next service you could draw five more, and we'll see how many points you get and tally it up at the end of the day. But the prize, your ultimate prize that you get is my undying allegiance, (laughs) which is, can't put a price on it. That's worth more than gold. So I I got into your car, and I I took out your baseball glove that you used to play play catch. So um, why don't you draw one, hold it up, let me see it. Okay. What do, we, what do we got here? Number one that you have to use is some lady named Ruth, baby Ruth. All right. All right, that's one. I take it back. You're not in trouble. You're dead where you stand. Okay. <laughs> oh, man, I'm thinking about what I'm preaching today. I was going to say, okay. you, you're the one that's like, just pick out some quotes for me. <laughs> you call that pitching? This is baseball, not tennis. <laughs> and number four. In the world. Okay. What do we have here? Just stand out there and stick your glove in the air. I'll take care of it. And the fifth one that you have to use is going to oh, be, you're killing me, Smalls. That's my favorite one, yeah. You got I it. Can easily do that. You got them? Let me lay these where I can see them because I'm never going to remember all that. Okay. <laughs> and so you're going to keep score. Every and- time you use a quote, I'm going to walk up here and give you a point. Okay. So we will see how it goes. Okay. All right? All right. Thank Play you. ball. The Sandlot came out in 1993, and and I'm wondering, I'm I'm just wondering, has anybody in here not seen that movie? You're killing me, Smalls. Hey, hey. (laughs) By the way, shame on you, whoever you are. (laughs) Well, let me me just tell you, it's, it's got everything. It's got everything in it. Unforgettable one-liners, uh, action-packed chase scenes. It's got a little summer romance, some cute kids, uh, catchy music, and of course baseball. And the movie's about Scotty Smalls. He's a fifth grader that moves into a new neighborhood in the summer of 1962, and he's struggling to fit in with a group of boys that can all play baseball, but he doesn't even know how to throw a ball. And uh, so through the movie, he gets to be part of the team, and he makes some friends, and he learns a lot in the process. Probably the number one lesson that he learns is how to overcome fear. And he, he grabs a baseball, and uh, they, they needed a ball. So he ran home, and he grabbed one, and uh, one of the kids knocked it over the fence, and he says, oh, man, my dad's going to kill me for losing that ball uh, because it was, it was signed by some girl named Ruth. And they said, oh, yeah, that was... That was baby, Babe Ruth. And so he's like, oh, no. And so they're, how do we get this ball back? They didn't realize it was such an important thing. And they know there's this huge, ferocious dog named the Beast on the other side of the fence that they just know is going to kill anybody that goes near it. And, and they end up trying to get the ball back, but the dog chases them and ends up destroying the ball. But the funny part is that 
towards the end, they, they encounter the man that lives there. And they're talking to him, and the guy says, well, you, you hit your baseball in my backyard. Why didn't you just come to the front door? I'd have gotten your ball for you. And it's kind of like, oh, why didn't we think about that? But it's because of fear. Fear will do funny things to a person. When we let fear drive, it takes you places you don't want to go, and it costs you a lot more than you are prepared to pay. That's why, uh, for some of you, maybe you're worried because you, you know some lady named Ruth. Baby Ruth. But you don't have to be afraid. See, I already had that one in the sermon. So I get like double points so for that. Bad. I get like double points. Can we, can we like groan on that? Can you get like a half a point? <laughs> well, anyways, Jesus asks us, no, you're cheating on me. I know, I know. Jesus asks us this question in Matthew 6 27. He says, Can all your worries add a single moment to your life? I was talking to somebody recently. They said, Man, that verse changed my life. Just that one verse. Can all of your worries add a single moment to your... You're really struggling there, yeah, aren't you? I, I, I'm better at football. <laughs> Sorry about that. There we go. And there are really two types of people that need to hear this today. There's some of you that are wrestling with a baseless fear that is keeping you from someplace that God wants to take you. There's no reason for that fear, but, but you're, it is just paralyzing you, and you need to go through that fear. You've got to go there. Don't let fear be the loudest voice in your head. Let God be the loudest voice in your, in your life. But for others of us, that's not us. We've, we've taken the leap. You know, we've faced the fear and, and we've gone through it. But the fear that we're dealing with now, it's not what if, but it's what is. You know, what I am currently dealing with because you're in the valley. You know, you, you, your fear is not just what maybe could happen, but what is happening, what I'm experiencing. And you're freaked out, and you don't know how you're going to get through what you're going through. Well, I just want to encourage all of us with a really familiar passage of Scripture, but I really believe it brings a lot of peace and perspective when we understand what it's communicating to us. In Psalm 23, it says, The Lord is my shepherd. I have all that I need. He lets me rest. In green meadows, he leads me beside peaceful streams. He renews my strength. He guides me along the right paths, bringing honor to his name. And even when I walk through the darkest valley, I will not be afraid. For you are close beside me. Your rod and your staff protect and comfort me. Now, the Bible makes a lot of references to God, referring to him as our good shepherd, that we're like sheep and, and he's the shepherd and, and he's caring for us and he's protecting us and it's a good thing, it's a really good thing because one thing that I, I know about sheep is that they're stupid and they smell bad and it, I think they taste even worse. I'm just not big into I'm just not big into lamb and, and it's kinda I, I don't know, that's true about us too. I mean we're kinda stupid and sometimes we're smelly and I I don't want to try you. I mean that's uh when's the last time you've uh tasted and uh can that compare? Well I I don't know, but you, you can you can you you call that pitching, this is baseball, not tennis. Technically he played by the rules, it is in his sermon. He gets a point. This is harder than it looks, folks. It's a lot harder than it looks. But we're, we're, like, we're like sheep, and, and, and we're skittish, and we're not always the brightest when it comes to, to making the right decisions. 
And we need someone who is looking out for us and who's protecting us because we have an enemy that wants to destroy us. That's the one thing that I love about the 23rd Psalm and that I'm reminded that, that we're going to go through valleys. Not maybe or, you know, it could happen, but you will. You will go through valleys. And I'm grateful for the valleys, weirdly. I'm grateful for the valleys because I tell you, I've learned a lot more honestly about God and about myself and, and how God works. I've learned a lot more about that stuff in the valleys than I ever have on mountaintops. It's just something about going through the difficult things. Uh, that when I learn about what I learn about fear and anxiety and the stuff that holds us back, this is so important, so key is that God will not leave you in the valley, but he wants to lead you through the valley. He's not abandoned you. If you feel like, okay, I'm, I'm in the midst of the fear, I'm in the midst of the darkness, and this is all, all hurts, God has not left you. He wants to lead you through it. And that's something that I know firsthand because a lot of, a lot of times in my life when I've felt like that, but, but one, one thing that when I think about how do I know this is true, Megan and I will, will have been married next month, we'll have been married 17 years which is crazy to me. Thank you. It's, it's some days I'm like, wow, I can't believe it's been 17 years. And other days I'm like, man, it's, I've felt every one of those 17 years. You know, it, it's, it's funny. But, but I, I know people who have been married the same amount of time. They're like, yeah, we've been married 17 years. And let me tell you, man, we just never fight. We never fight. And those people make me want to barf. There's just... They're so full of it. Megan and I have been fighting about certain things for 17 years. Like we've, never, we've never figured it out yet. And, and, and I'll tell you what I've learned, all the struggles that we've been through, we've learned a whole lot more in the valleys than we have on the mountains. We've learned a whole lot more through the difficult stuff. And I know that's a big part. A big part of that is that God is leading us in those moments. We're not alone. We're not, trying to, we're not left to try to figure it out all by ourselves. But God is, has a hand in that. One thing I find so interesting when you look at the 23rd Psalm is the, the tone of it. Listen to what he says. David is writing this. And the first part of it, he says, The Lord is my shepherd. He lets me rest in green meadows. He leads me beside peaceful streams. He renews my strength. He guides me. He's talking about the shepherd. He's referring to him that way. He, he's talking about him. And then he says, well, even though I walk through the valley, I'll fear no evil. And he changes. Instead of talking about the shepherd, he's talking to the shepherd. He says, you are with me. Your rod and your staff comfort me. You notice the shift. It goes from talking about the shepherd to talking to the shepherd. He's talking to the Lord. And that's the problem a lot of us, I think, we have. Is we're pretty good at talking about God. And I think I know what God would want me to do. Or I, I'm, I'm still, you know, trying to work through this. What does God want for my life? But we don't actually talk to him. We talk about the shepherd. We don't talk to the shepherd. It's one thing to know about the Lord... It's a whole different story when you know your good shepherd, when you know him and you know that he knows you. I remember serving in churches, um, and I've known several different people, you know, over the years that, you know, it's just some people that you look at and like, man, they really, they really know the Lord. Like, not just head knowledge, but like they have an, 
a real relationship with Jesus Christ. And I can remember some churches, even being a kid, we'd sing songs like we sang this morning, As the Deer. I can't tell you how many times in my childhood we've sang As the Deer. And uh, I can remember one Sunday watching some uh, older guys. We're singing that song, As the Deer Panteth for the Water, So My Soul Longeth After Thee. And I remember just watching him and just a tear running down his cheek. And I thought, you know, what, what's the deal? Like, we sing this like every other Sunday. I've sang this song more, than, you know, more times than I can count. And, and I think back on that and I realize, you know, you know what it was? He, he was moved in that moment because that guy, he, he, he knew the shepherd. He had a real living relationship with his good shepherd. I, I was thinking about that. I, I heard about a shepherd that was tending his flock way out in the country, just this remote pasture out in the middle of the sticks. And uh, suddenly there's, he, he's looking out on the, out in the hillside and he sees this dust cloud coming along. And it's this shiny BMW comes roaring up and stops. And all of a sudden he sees the, the driver, this young guy in an Armani suit. And he's got fancy shoes and a Rolex watch. And he, he rolls down his tinted windows and kind of pokes his head out. And he says, hey... Uh, I, I tell you what, I'll make a deal with you. If I can tell you how many sheep you've got out in, in the field, will you give me one of them? And the shepherd looked at the man, then he glanced back at his, at his flock, and he, he says, sure, okay, sure, that's, that's fine. So the driver parked his car, and he, he gets out, and he pushed a button on the dashboard, and this, this uh, fancy laptop computer comes out, and he tap, 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 and it's linking up with satellites. He's got GPS. It's like heat seeking he can and the computer is spitting out he opens the glove box there's a printer in there and it's printing out reports it's counting the number of sheep for him and and then he's getting his blackberry out and tap 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 and after a few minutes he says okay here it is he printed off this report and says you have 1586 sheep and the shepherd said well that's impressive i guess i guess you get one of them and so he watched this guy go over and grab one and bundle it into his car and then the shepherd says well wait a minute now how about this? If I can tell you exactly what you do for a living, will you give me my animal back? So the guy says, oh, okay, I like games like this. Sure, let's go for it. He says, you're a consultant. He said, oh, well, I mean, he's impressed. He said, well, how did you, how did you know that? You're right. And the guy said, well, you, you drove up out here out of nowhere without being invited you're, you're trying to get me to pay you for information that I already know. You're answering questions that I never asked. You know nothing about my business. Now, give me back my dog. <laughs> do I get like a half point for that? Yeah, I don't, I don't know what I can do on that. <laughs> I'll have to consult the, the rules or something. Oh, man. There's, this, there's, there's something about the, the valley... The valley of the shadow of death. There's something about the darkest valley that gives you a deep knowledge of the character and the capabilities and the care of God, our shepherd. There's something about when you know that the shepherd knows you. And scripture says he's counted all the hairs on our head. When he knows you that well. And, and I'm confident that there are some people in our world, even some people in our, in our communities that have never struggled, not a day in their life, there are, there are people that have never, they've never known what it is to struggle. And because of that, they remain distant from God. 
Because they've never been through struggle. They've had everything handed to them on a silver platter. Everything's been easy. And because of that, because they've never been through a valley, because they've done everything and people around them have just cushioned them in such a way that they've never had to walk through a difficult season, they, they are distant from God as a result of that. So just stand out there, stick your glove out in the air, and I'll take care of it. All right. There we go. None of these make sense with what I'm preaching about. <laughs> but this is uh, one of the things that, that I, I'm convinced. People that have, that have been through the valley, right? And I know I'm talking to a lot of you that have been. You've been through the valley. You're going through it right now. You're going through a period of fear. One thing that we learn in those moments is that God walks with his sheep. That's what the 23rd Psalm says. I will fear no evil. I will not be afraid for you are close beside me. God walks with his sheep. I was, uh, I was talking this past week with one of our church members named Tanya. A lot of you have been praying for Tanya. Uh, and, and you know what she's been through. About a month ago, she came home. She was here at church. And she went home after church. And when she got home, her husband shot her several times and then took his own life. It's a real tragic thing. But thank God she survived. She's actually home now. She was just discharged from rehab the other day. So it's, it's really good. Got a long road ahead. But, but she's getting better day by day. And, and I was talking to her the other day. And, and she said, you know, this is an awful thing that's happened. This is awful. And there are moments when my mind wanders and it starts going to dark places that it doesn't belong. But one thing that I'm sure of, she said, one thing that I'm sure of is that God is with me now, and he was with me then, and I know he's going to be with me tomorrow. Because she knows her shepherd. She doesn't just know about her shepherd. Tanya knows the shepherd. God walks with his sheep. And there's something else that people who have been through struggle and difficulty, what they know, they know that God protects his sheep. David said in the 23rd Psalm, your rod and your staff, they protect and they comfort me. It's interesting. Two things, protection and comfort. When that passage talks about the, the rod and the staff, it's, it's likely talking about the same object, okay? You picture a shepherd's staff, and I don't have a shepherd's staff. I'm going to sneak behind you, JR, because I I, I've never been like one of those old school shepherds, you know? But uh, so the, best, the closest thing I've got is this <laughs> to a shepherd's staff, my Louisville slugger. But um, somebody asked me, what's, what's the point of this? I said, I'm going to make sure I need to wake anybody up today. But when you, when you think about a, a baseball bat, right, it could, have, it could have two purposes. Like one is, you know, if I'm a good enough player, I could hit a grand slam and knock it out of the park. The other thing is I could keep this next to my bedside. If somebody breaks in at night, I can crack them over the head with it, right? You could, you could have, have a great day or you could have a bad day depending on how it's used. A shepherd's staff kind of the same deal. It, it had two purposes. One was to lead the sheep. And the other was to protect them because if they're walking a hill or some some, you know, cavernous place. There's things that are, you know, animals, you know, lions or, or uh, coyotes, things like that that might come out and try to, try to hurt the sheep. And so the shepherd, he knows how to protect them. And he also knows how to lead them. And that, that was the purpose of the shepherd's staff was protection, but also it was for comfort. And, and uh, I, I, I don't know, I don't know. I, I take it back, JR. I take it back. You're not in trouble. You're dead where you stand. <laughs> Hey, I can see where that goes in. Well done. Got That's, all five. Gosh. 
so stupid. <laughs> By the way, this wasn't my idea. So. <laughs> it was. I, I, love, I love the promise in 1 John chapter 5 in the New Testament. It says that we know that God's children do not make a practice of sinning. For God's son holds them securely and the evil one cannot touch them. And just dwell on that for a second. Just think about what that scripture is telling you. We know that God's children, we don't make a practice of sinning. Right there, there's, there's a point in, it, in and of itself. If I'm following the Lord, if I'm a child of God, I'm not going to make it a practice that I continue to give myself over to sin. If I'm a person that says, I know this is sin, but I'm going to do it anyway, that says something about my relationship with the shepherd. We're not making a practice of jumping right back into sin again. And he and says, but also that God's son, Jesus, holds them securely, and the evil one cannot touch them. Why is that important? Because we have a real enemy in the devil, and if you don't understand what he does, he really wants to destroy you. And I mean that literally. That's not just some kind of figure of speech, like, oh yeah, I mean, I guess somehow, you know, poetically he wants to destroy No, he actually wants to destroy you. He actually wants to kill you. Literally wants to destroy and wreck your life and rob you of everything good. But God is a shepherd who protects his sheep. That's why I love the 23rd Psalm. Your rod and your staff, they comfort and they protect me. He's offering both. And, and I'll tell you, the, one of the, one, another thing that I know many of us that have been through the valley know, we know that God guides his sheep. He guides us in paths of righteousness. He guides me along the right path. What am I supposed to do? What does God want me to do? Oh, have we talked to him about that? He'll guide us. I heard another pastor talk about this. He said something I've never heard of. He said, the, the, the rod and the staff. You're talking about the rod and the staff. When we receive that, when we become followers of Jesus, the rod and the staff is the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit comforts us. The Holy Spirit protects us. The Holy Spirit guides us in the right direction. Maybe you're a person that's confident and, and you're independent. You're kind of a go-getter. Like you can get things done and make things happen. That's awesome that you've got great leadership qualities. Good for you. That, that's really wonderful. But remember that you're still sheep. And, and I know you, you might think, oh, but no, I, I mean, I'm smarter than that. No, yeah, okay, but compared to God... You're sheep. And, and let's not think of ourselves more highly than we should. We're, we are sheep. I'm a sheep. You're a sheep. God has designed us to be strong and to do good things and to seek wisdom. But we can have none of that on our own. We have to have a shepherd. We've got to have someone that's guiding us. And God guides the sheep. And that's why I'm so glad to know that not only does he guide us, but he delivers his sheep. God delivers the sheep. The 23rd Psalm, I'm so grateful that it doesn't say, I'm stuck in a dark valley. It doesn't say that, you know, I'm, uh, that God led me into this dark valley and, and there I stay. It says I'm walking through the valley. I'm not staying there. I'm not stuck in it forever. You're passing through this valley. You don't have to stay. And, and we have a shepherd who is with us and is leading us to the other side. Philip Keller wrote a book called A Shepherd Looks at Psalm 23. And in it he writes, It should be noted that the verse states 
Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, it does not say I die there or stop there, but rather I walk through. It's true. You're just passing through. In a moment of fear, in a season of anxiety, in a season of, man, what, why does everything feel dark and feels like the world is just kind of caving in around me? Remember that it's, it's a moment, it's a valley that you're passing through. And let me tell you something, deliverance does not mean avoidance. When we look at the 23rd Psalm, it, it doesn't say that he's going to lead me around the valley, but he leads me through it. He walks with me through it. We don't get to sidestep it. We, we don't get to avoid or go around the valley. The way from one mountaintop to the other is through, not around. And one of the things that I love about the movie The Sandlot, in the movie Scotty, a little kid, he doesn't know how to play baseball. He doesn't have a clue. Didn't even know who Babe Ruth was. You know, just doesn't, he doesn't know much about anything. Doesn't know what to do. But the best athlete of the group is a guy named Benny Rodriguez. And he gave him some tips, and he wanted to teach him how to catch the ball. And Scotty says, I, I can't catch the ball. Like, I, I don't know what to do. I don't know what I'm doing out here. What do I do? And, and Benny's response is timeless to him. He says, he says I, I just want you to stand there, stick your glove out in the air, and I'll take care of it. And so he, he gets to that moment. He's just standing there. I, just, I love the scene. It's like he's already got a shiner, and he's just standing there, like eyes closed, the gloves open like I don't know what's going to happen and sure enough Benny smacked a high fly ball right over to left field and it just landed right in his glove he didn't do anything Scotty didn't do anything he just stood there with his eyes closed and and caught it Benny did all the work and yet in that moment all the other kids are like stunned and then they start cheering and run over and they're like slapping him and high-fiving and hugging and he's he's part of the team Scotty is part of the team I'll tell you, when I think about the sandlot, I think a lot about the gospel. Because when I think about us, we're, we're just, we're just kind of like that. We're clumsy and isolated and unable to work ourselves out of the mess that we've gotten ourselves into because of our sin. The Bible says that we were outcasts. But because of Jesus, we belong. And he did all the work. I didn't do any of it. I stand there with my eyes closed and the glove up in the air. Jesus said, just... Just trust me. I love this verse of Scripture, Romans 5. Just listen to this great promise. It says, Therefore, since we have been made right in God's sight by faith, we have peace with God because of what Jesus Christ our Lord has done for us. I don't know a person in the world that doesn't want that. I don't know a person in the world that doesn't want to have peace with God, to be made right. He says, since we've been made right, we have peace with God because of what Jesus has done for us. Because of our faith, Christ has brought us into this place of undeserved privilege where we now stand. And we confidently and joyfully look forward to sharing God's glory. Really thankful for our good shepherd who leads us, who guides us. He walks us through the dark valleys, those difficult moments in life. He's not left us, but he's leading us through. And I hope that we'll be reminded of that this week and in the weeks to come. If we continue, you know, I mean, we're, we're in a world right now in a, in a season in life where I hear a lot, of, a lot of grumbling, and rightfully so, a lot of worry, a lot of concern. 
you know, what's going to happen next? How much more of this can I afford? And we're, we're, all, we're all anxious. We all feel a little unease. What do we do? What do we do in these moments? What do we do as followers of Jesus when we're worried about tomorrow and when we're in the middle of what feels like a dark valley? We trust the shepherd. His rod and his staff, they comfort us and they protect us. We keep our eyes on him, not on the world. Because we know that ultimately, he's leading us home. Let me pray for us. Father, thank you so much that you are, you are a good shepherd. You've not left us. And you, you're always with us. You're always guiding. Help us to continue to place our trust and our faith in you. Father, I thank you for those difficult moments because in the, in the difficult moments, we have an opportunity to know you in a way that we might not get to know you in the good times. So help us, Lord, to lean into you in these moments where we're scared, where we're anxious, where we are angry. Help us to, help us to trust you. And Lord, I pray that you would continue to reveal yourself to us in new and wonderful ways. And I pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen. God bless you guys. Thanks for being here today. If you want to talk to somebody about that, please stop by the Next Steps area, and we'll see you next week.